Are you struggling to understand God's will for your life? Well, in today's episode, number 103, I actually dig into the podcast vault to pull out one of our number one performing episodes, Five Steps to Hearing from God. Look at the noisy, noisy world out there, and as we approach a very busy season, my prayer for you is that it is a fruitful season and that God's fingerprints are all over it. And that starts with you, Stepmama, with you making an intentional decision to spend time and savor the sweetness of Jesus. All right, let's get to the intro and get moving on today's episode. I'm so glad you're here. You know, when you're experiencing a sense of being pummeled by a great force, when there's no one else in the room with you, you feel some pressure or a slight headache coming on. Sure, it could be tension or illness or hunger, but I propose it could simply be a result of the ongoing onslaught of noise that surrounds us all day long. It's difficult to find a space to be free of human-made noise. Sitting outside here on the back patio, writing the intro for today's episode, the early morning sun warms my skin. A multitude of birds chirp their greetings from the tall trees, which are beginning to bud on the Missouri River Bluff. Full stop. The woodpecker taps out its God-given mission as my fingers rat-a-tat-tat on the keyboard. Eighty feet below, the man-made train makes its presence known as it speeds down the track. The south side of our home welcomes the garbage truck, commingled with our golden retriever and chocolate lab's ferocious-sounding but harmless barks of greeting. Beep, 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 beep. The truck shifts gears to reverse and moves forward, aligning itself to retrieve our trash container. The truck extends its creaking arm to grasp the can and noisily shakes the contents into an oversized bin. Where do you go to find your quiet? Well, first you could go to Haleakala Crater in Hawaii, or you could travel to a place of exceptional sonic beauty where there are opportunities for extended periods of pure natural quiet. That would take you to Ecuador, where the world's first certified wilderness quiet park, Zabalo River, flows. Sidebar, does the fact that there is an entity, Quiet Parks International, or QPI, that presents awards designating public spaces as quiet parks underscore the lack of quiet in our world for you, too? QPI is real, and this organization assesses quiet based on 13 requirements or standards. With all this noise, how do you, as a couple, discern what God's really doing in your life? Bill and I propose that it starts with a mere 15 minutes of quiet in your life together. While traveling to Haleakala Crater in Hawaii sounds like a perfect spot, it's certainly not as practical as a few places Bill and I suggest. And if you're really struggling to find the quiet, we propose hiding out in a closet if necessary. P.S. I linked Quiet Parks International's certified quiet spaces in the show notes if you're desperate to find absolute quiet. Are you tired of all the double standards for stepmoms? Do you find yourself searching for answers on how to deal with imposter syndrome? You know, you're highly successful in many other areas of your life. 
But as a stepmom, you're anxious and confused? Is your biggest fear that your stepfamily battles are slowly destroying intimacy with your husband and impacting every other sacred area of your life? Hey, stepmama, I see you. I know it's hard. I know that you're tired of all those double standards. And that's why this podcast was created with you in mind, so that you can stop focusing on all those things that are dragging you down and start using the power, the gifts, and the influence that you already have to embrace God's call on you as a stepmom. It's time to stop searching for those divorce lawyers. Instead, it's time to gain wisdom on dealing with difficult in-laws, outlaws, and exes and become an influential voice in your blended family based on who God says you are. Hey, I'm Jen, wife, mom, stepmom, Jesus girl, pickleball lover, chief encourager, and new stepmama friend. And I can't wait to get started. It's time to stop playing small and start reclaiming the boldness and the courageousness that God has already given to you. Welcome to the podcast. I pray that this week's episode blesses you, encourages you, uplifts you, and most of all, I pray that you know you are not alone. Today, our mission is to discuss God's will. And what am I talking about here? God's will. What a big, vast, mysterious topic. God's will in our step family. What does that mean? When we have decisions to make, when we're walking through the morass, when we're going through difficult times, it can be difficult to know where is God in the picture. Today, we want to talk about God's will for our step family. All right. That sounds good. Aligning our marriage with God's will through the power of A, B, C, D, E, and E. That's right. Half tip to Chuck Swindoll for this from his book, The Mystery of God's Will. I highly recommend it. How do you as a couple discern what God's really doing in your life around you? And and we do want to use that pneumatic device, A, B, C, D, E. So A is attitude. Boy, this one's important. Do I have a can-do attitude? Am I ready to hear from God? Why does that matter? When I think about learning and being in school, there were days that I showed up that I was not the ideal student. Let's just put it like that. I was not the ideal student. I had pre-decided what I was willing to receive. When I show up with an attitude of can-do or ready to listen, to what God has for me, of course, I'll, I'm open to receiving it. Now, just a caveat here, I don't always like the message that I get. Right. So that's, that's a great question because you bring up a good, aren't there times, aren't there times that we've got our mind fixed? We're ready. We're on the warpath. I don't care what you say, God, I'm right about this. This is not true confessions of Jen Rogers, is it? Come on now. Don't put me on the spot like that. No, what's fun about that though, and you will all admit as couples that really as people, there are times that our agenda is playing um, first in our life. And we don't really care what God has to say about it. Our mind is made up. We know what we want and we're not listening to God. In those situations, we cannot expect to discern God's will if our heart is not ready to hear from God. God is holy. He doesn't, he's not mocked. What we sow, we reap. If we know down inside we're wrong, but 
we're going to do it anyway. We cannot expect to hear from God in those moments. It occurs to me that there are other positions that we have in our attitude of being willing to receive. When we make a decision to go forward, I think there are times we've thought we've checked in with God. Mm-hmm. However, we've been busy rushing to and from, so we've shortened our devotion time, or we've been doing, quote unquote, church in the car, prayer in the car. Our focus is divided. And whenever our focus is divided, we're attempting to accomplish more than one thing at the same time. No matter how much people promote multitasking, I, I, right now in this moment, I'm going to declare multitasking, multi-failing, because you cannot focus well on more than one thing at a time. You and I know that from Cal Newport's book, Deep Work. And our listeners are going to hear quite a bit more about the importance of single tasking. All that to say, there are times we do think that we have checked in with God, we've gotten the answer, but it was rushed. So this attitude, this positioning, this willingness to receive involves time spent at the foot of the cross. It really does. You know, one of the things Jesus talks about, his disciples come to him and they say, teacher, teach us how to pray, Mm -hmm. how to pray. And Jesus comes right out and he says, okay, when you pray, pray like this. And he says, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, sometimes we've made it a rote prayer and we say, okay, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we don't really think about what we're saying. But what Jesus was saying is, here's what I want you. Here's how I want you to pray. Consider our father first, our father. He is my daddy, my Abba, the Hebrew word for daddy. And a lot of us have gotten to know that through the series. Um, the The chosen and, and the chosen is great because you see it all acted out. You say, Oh, my Abba says this, but Abba is daddy. And, and Jesus says, first of all, go to your father and say, daddy, you who are in control, our father who live in heaven, who, who are different than me, you're above me. You get to call the shot, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. You're separated. Your kingdom come, your will be done. In other words, God, it's about you. If I am going to have an attitude of readiness to hear from God, it means I'm going to be humble. I do want to add here that in acknowledging God's holiness, that is a form of putting God first. And all too often I have been saying, God, help me, please do this thing or give me that thing instead of first acknowledging who God is. That declaration is important because we are self-focused because we're everywhere we go. So it's easy to stay focused on, on us. Acknowledging God's holiness is important. And sidebar, uh, we also are holy because we believe in Jesus right. and have accepted Jesus. So we are holy and we are righteous and we are redeemed and we are able to come and speak to our Abba because of Jesus. And that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Even when you're not feeling holy, that doesn't change the truth. Thank God <laughs> that yeah. our feelings do not change the truth. I love that too, because think about the way we react to our own kids. So we've all heard the story of the kid who says, you say, stand up. He says, well, I'm standing on the outside, but in the inside, I'm sitting. And, and we have that attitude, don't we? From God, time. I know you say do this, but mm-hmm, I'm rebelling down inside. And see, God knows 
that. So if we're going to know God's will for our family, if we're going to get through the morass, if we're going to get through the difficulties that we're going through, we're going to hear his voice. We got to be ready to hear his voice. That's why we call it a can-do attitude. This can be just like Jeremiah. God says, Jeremiah, you're going to be a prophet to the nations. Now go and preach. I'll put the word in you. Lord, I've never been eloquent. Who's this young man telling me he's never going to be eloquent? Get on with the program. There is tons of biblical evidence that demonstrates God's willingness to use us. Yeah, absolutely. So readiness is so important. Our attitude has to be right if we're going to hear from God. B, A is attitude. B is Bible study. What does the Bible have to say about the issue that I'm dealing with? One of the things that we've started doing over the past several years is reading through the Bible in one year. We've used different devotionals in the Bible app, and they've been incredibly helpful to us to keep us moving and going through reading, learning, having conversations about it. And they're just upfront disclosure. God knows this. He knows this. There are parts in the Bible that I really don't want to read. Like when we get to numbers and we get to the genealogies, the names are uncomfortable in speaking (laughs) out loud. Yet there are times, I'll tell you what, if you are uncomfortable when you're reading through that section, here's my tip. I just turn the Bible app on and I let the speaker of the Bible app read those names Mm -hmm. and I follow along. And even though I don't like that, I ask God to work on my resistance to reading through those sections of the Bible. Cubits high, cubits long, cubits wide. It's just, it is mind-blowing at times. Yet it is good to know how exact God is. And there is a reason why those things are in his word. Even if we don't understand them this side of heaven, that's okay. He calls us to know him. I think our overarching purpose individually and in our marriages is to know God. And we take that knowledge and then we apply it in our marriages and in our families and in our interactions with other people. Yeah, you ought to try to read it in Hebrew. Yeah, that's what you're doing, this whole welcome back to seminary. So I'll tell you what, it can be a little uncomfortable for people to, for couples to come together and read scripture together because there is that lack of confidence in some of these terms or there's not, there's lack of understanding. What does this even mean? Here's my note of encouragement to people listening, that even if you don't understand what's going on, or you're struggling to connect the dots historically because the Bible is not written chronologically. Although there are apps where you can read the Bible chronologically and still complete that in a year. Even if you don't quite get it, ask God to reveal his word to you. And he will. Now, it probably won't be on our timeline, but he will reveal his word to us when we ask him, when we have that attitude That even though, Lord, I don't understand what's really going on here, or this is not my favorite part of scripture, would you give me ears to hear? Yeah. And here's the thing we know about God's will. God will never, ever contradict his own word. Therefore, if we don't know what his word says about a subject, you can look up on your iPhone, you can say, what does God say about forgiveness? And you'll get 10, 15 verses right away. There's really no excuses as Christians for us not to know what God says about an issue that is near and dear to our heart. If I'm struggling with something, if I'm having a fight with Jennifer about something, and I don't know what the word says about it, 
that's the place to start because God is never going to work in my life and contradict his own word. God doesn't contradict his word. It, it, it's sometimes when we hear God speak to an issue, we've got to lay it down and say, he's always right and I'm always wrong. If my ideas contradict what his word expressly says. Now, sometimes we'll look at that and we'll say, I can read this verse and I can take it any way I want. But that's where we need to learn how to read the Bible in context as well. We can't just take verses out of context and apply them any old way we want. God intends his word to say what he intends it to say. As you were talking, I was thinking God's word is not a weapon against your spouse. Oh, amen. It is a tool for your marriage to thrive. However, God's word is a weapon against the strongholds Amen. of this world. God's word is a weapon against Satan, who is your arch enemy, who is hell-bent on destroying your marriage. Yeah, that's absolutely true. That brings us to C, because we can't understand B without C. C is conviction of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, I have the right attitude. I've gone to the Bible. What is the Holy Spirit saying? What is my conviction? How, when I left my sales job, for example, I remember coming to you and saying, Jen, I think God might be moving me to, to leave this job. That was frightening to us. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting. When you first said that, I had a level of peace that was really not explainable. I'm like, okay, babe, I, I don't know why this doesn't unsettle me, but okay, let's talk about it. I think it took us about six months. And that's not necessarily because God wasn't giving us direction. It was more the flesh coming back and saying, now, wait a minute, we think this is what the direction is. But if we do this thing, this means all of these other things that we can see, never mind all the things that we can't see. And when we started focusing on the things that we would quote unquote lose, like a great salary, for example, or great health benefits, we took our eyes off what God was calling us to, to say, look at me mm -hmm. and here is where I'm leading you. And at that time, that was last January. Right. So not January a couple of months ago, but January 2021. Right. And we had no idea that you would be going to seminary and discerning that later on in the year. Right. But you couldn't get to that level of discernment until you trusted God when he said, this is what I'm calling you to. So there, there are a couple of points that I'd like to talk about before we move on. I know you, the letter guy, you're already with your letters. Oh, no, I'm not. No, no. <laughs> Conviction is so important. And, and you just mentioned seminary and stuff. And of course, in my mind, I'm thinking, wait a minute. I graduated seminary in 1995. I already had my master's. Why do I need to go back to school? And even now, that came about in November, end of October, coming into November. So we're talking about a good six, seven Eight months from the time God first spoke to my heart in January about it. And I started coming to you saying, honey, I, I, I don't know. And let's talk about that conviction a little more. So I stopped feeling passion for the work I was doing. It was like, wait a minute, this isn't, it's almost like God is saying, okay, I'm done with you here. Sometimes we have a feeling God wants to do something. Think about Abraham. Abraham, go some, okay, God, where am I going to go? 
I'll tell you about it later. It comes in pieces, right? Sometimes God's will comes in pieces. But what's beautiful about that conviction of the Holy Spirit, and again, let's get back to what we were talking about. If I'm having a fight with you, for example, and I'm trying to discern what's God's will here, well, conviction of the Holy Spirit is you really were a jerk about that and you need to apologize and repent for what you did. That can be conviction. And the thing is, sometimes we say, oh, no, God, don't, don't go there. Don't address that issue. But God's not going to stop addressing that issue until we obey and address that issue. For the record, the Holy Spirit does not call me a jerk. Uh, <laughs> That's our own internalization of work. We're not to like one. Anyway, that was for me. I think that the Holy Spirit in his grace is so good mm -hmm. to bring these things to our attention. As we're talking about this conviction and sharing a little bit of our journey of the call to move to something completely different, mm -hmm. God did not first indicate go to seminary. And then we would have been asking the, well, what about my job? What about this? What about that? No. God put the call on. I think it's time for you to move. And just like Abraham, he didn't tell you where no, he did not going to go. Leave, leave that, that job. And that was hard enough to go where? I'll show you. I'll show you later. <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> right. Yes. For those of you who have been listening, you are like uh, planned spontaneity. So this is really not my thing. Go, what, what, what? Although again, I'll reiterate that I, overall, I had a tremendous sense of peace over it. And for those moments where I was feeling some anxiety about this decision, that's when you had peace. And so together, the two of us were reminding each other, what is the direction that we are sensing from God? And here's the thing. Sometimes we might get it wrong and God will be gracious enough to do operation redirection. Hey, this is actually the direction that I was calling you. As we're talking about conviction and together working through God's call for each of us individually and on our marriage, I do want to say that our coming together each morning is so powerful because God works on both of us simultaneously, yet he's working in different areas. And as we pray with and for each other, mm. there's that revelation of what's in our hearts. And over time, it has changed. It's new every morning. It really is a, a new experience to come together and share what the conviction of the Holy Spirit is. Right. We call those our, our uh, divine download. What is God saying to you this morning? And I love that. Sometimes, well, honey, God is really working on me this morning. Let me share what I feel he's saying. Yeah. And that brings us to D, because you've mentioned it. Determine if you have Determine if you have peace. Now, this is, I like to say to our church congregation, let peace be your referee. I know others call it, let peace be your umpire. But in any case, you have to feel right about what you're doing before you do it. <laughs> yeah. And those things that you're called to oftentimes won't align with the messages that we receive from the world. When God calls us to something new, there are hurdles to jump over. There is the analytical aspect to say, this doesn't seem to line up. Yeah, and, and along with determining peace, it, it can't be just for me. If I'm going to do something, you have to have peace too. 
because where one, some mistakes that I've made, I know in my distant past is doing something without consulting with mm-hmm. my spouse. That, that, that wasn't the right way to go about it. God will not convict me to do something for my family without which that he will convict you as well. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm dragging my feet, even though I know. Oh. And if you are, that means the decision's not quite made. It really does. Sometimes God's answer is wait. Sometimes his answer is yes, but not right now. Mm-hmm. And, and if your spouse is dragging their feet, that can be an example that God's saying, there's something that's not in place yet. There's something that needs to be put in place before you do that. For example, I was feeling the call to, to move on from my job. And what did we do? We came together and we prayed about it and we made a decision. We said, you know what? Within three years, we're going to move away from this. We're going to, we're going to go ahead, get our ducks in a row, make sure our finances are in line, put all these things together. And God's word was basically, I'm moving a little quicker than that. Yeah. A lot quicker than that, actually. And then what ended up happening, I came to a place where my sales had lagged a little bit. My boss came to me and said, hey, look, either you're going to get your sales up or you're going to have to move on. So God moved up the timetable with circumstances. And he does that sometimes. He does. He does. He will use circumstances to show us where he is working. Now, in cases where we're having troubles in our marriage, for example, you might feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you need to go to your spouse and you need to repent of this. And then maybe they'll come to you and say, honey, I've really been convicted. Because one of the things I've learned over time is God will not give me the will for someone else's life. God is not going to tell me his will for your life. That's a good word. That's a good word. And the only way I can discern God's will is by spending time in his word and by spending time in prayer and being willing to receive what he has. I think many couples, honey, struggle coming together like that, or they struggle praying together. There's a lot of discomfort there. Perhaps they've been hurt in the past through prayer or through the church or through an ex-spouse and they are hesitant to come together. For those couples, I I want to encourage you, exhort you, and offer a word of comfort that if this week, your mission, should you choose to accept it this week, is to spend 15 minutes with your spouse sitting together. Mm -hmm. No phones, no distractions, no kids. The point is 15 minutes together in silence, just sitting, enjoying each other's presence and enjoying being in the presence of the Lord and just see what happens. Well, there's a lot of peace there. If it's not your habit to cultivate just moments of silence for yourself to get alone with God in a day, think about what Jesus did before his most important decisions. He always got away with his father. How are you able to cultivate silence in your heart if you're getting noise 24-7. Distractions are a very real thing. There must be active movement to silence the distractions. Maybe you need to go hide in the hall closet for your 15 minutes. That's okay. If that's what you need to do, go hide in the hall closet. But I know that God is so good that he will honor that time and he will cultivate in you a desire to come and seek him 
more and more. Listen, if you can't count on your spouse to be your cheerleader, who can you count on? God puts you two together as a team, as a dynamic duo. And that is so important to cultivate working together. There will be plenty of uncomfortable moments. There will be plenty of moments of humility. There there will be some discomfort in sharing some of what God has revealed to you when it sounds counterintuitive to what you're seeing around you. Yet cultivating this time and developing this trust in your relationship with your spouse is so important to your success. It ties into what you and I talk about regularly, this legacy building. We're not going to build a legacy down the road, you know, after the kids are out of the house. Building a legacy begins right now. And if you can have prayer and seeking God's will as the foundation of your marriage, mm-hmm. boy, what a legacy you can build on that. And what's super cool about that, you just said something really key. That is God put you two together. Yeah. God did it. So again, using Jeremiah, Jeremiah says the Lord called, he, he, talking about the Lord, he said the Lord called him before he was born. The Lord called him to be a prophet. The Lord actually says, I have called you to be my prophet before you were in your mother's womb. God knows our situation before we even know who he is. We need to cultivate that sense of uniqueness. God has a purpose for you as a couple to make your imprimatur, your mark on the world. He made you to do that. He made you to do that together. He put you together. Now, sometimes you can't find it. You're struggling all over the place. By the way, that's E. A, let's go through this again. A is your attitude. It's important. Be ready to receive from God. B is Bible study. Look for him in his word. That's where he's going to speak. C, conviction of the Holy Spirit. D, determine if this peace. And here's E, expect opposition and difficulty. Mm-hmm. Expect opposition and difficulty. You say, whoa, isn't that what I'm going to avoid by doing all this prayer stuff? <laughs> no, because that's God's road. That is God's road. And it's one of the first conversations that I have with coaching clients. Now that you've decided to pursue this, be alert because the devil is prowling around and the devil wants to pick you off. That goes back to this teamwork and this coming together that when you are unified in Christ, the devil cannot stand against that. He, He cannot. That's why it's important that you practice. It's no different. I think way back when I was in the army, and learning military maneuvers and learning strategies and ambushing techniques and survival strategies. I didn't know them before I started. I knew of them, perhaps, but I didn't know them and I didn't have an immediate reaction. And the way that I got that was through practice. And the practice was not fun. Fort Jackson, South Carolina, Dragas Hill with my rucksack was not fun. And it was opposition. I don't remember how much the backpack weighed, but it's been years now. So I I would say that the backpack probably weighed, I don't know, a thousand pounds by now. Every year it gets a little bit heavier. But that is opposition. But that's a practical example of what opposition can look like. The what opposition looks like in your blended marriage could be the kid's resistance. It could be the kid's not getting along. It could be dealing with a conflict with 
any family member, whether they're in your home or whether they're ex-family members. So there's so much opposition. It's easier to pick at you. <laughs> yeah, but it's easier to prepare for something if you expect it. And, and here's the thing. So I hear you saying, yes, Satan's going to try to pick you off. That's absolutely true. Here's the other side of that. God is going to let him. God is going to let Satan try to pick you off because God's trying to teach you something. And we say, now, wait a minute. I, I thought once I received Jesus and once I came to the cross and once I surrendered and once I had the peace about this thing that all was going to be well, but that's not God's road. That's why preachers who preach health and wealth and all this and miss the boat, because you're telling us that the health and the wealth is our goal. No, our goal is God. What makes us godly? Sanctification. Difficulties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Difficulties. Most definitely. And, and those are the things. So embrace the difficulties. There's another E, by the way. Expect them. Embrace the difficulties because that's your road. That's a tall order, honey. Look, I'm just going to be, I, so you're a little bit in pulpit mode here. I'm going to be a little bit in a uh, parishioner sitting in the pew mode to say, wait a minute, pastor, slow down there. Okay. Slow down. Stop being and telling me these things because you don't understand my situation. You don't know how difficult it is. True. You don't know how much angst I experience. And yet if we were to break this down a little bit more, despite the challenges that we have in our families, whether you're blended or not. Mm -hmm. If you're on uh, planet Earth, you are in a family. Hello, you're in a family, so you got some trouble <laughs> because yeah. we are so self-focused. That's why Jesus tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves, because we really do take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, but we are focused on what's happening to us. And what I sense what you're saying is, that regardless of the circumstances, when we practice coming together and we seek the Lord and we study scripture, we learn that despite the circumstances and the training that God will allow in our lives, he's calling us to peace. That's definitely the peace that we read about with Paul, that regardless of the circumstances, whether he's being lowered down in a basket or whether he is experiencing abundance or joy or sadness, that he is secure in who he is in Jesus. That's what I hear you saying. Yeah, the peace is beyond understanding. Another thing that you're talking about, yeah, we have all these trials and we go, where am I going to go? But that's the thing. The E brings me back to A, hmm. right? The E is something, wow, there's all these trials in my life. And what is God really doing? He is training us to trust him. He's training us to trust him because he knows how self-reliant we are. And he knows that our self-reliance is going to destroy us. Ultimately, it is a process of learning to trust him. So when I get to that place where I'm going through that real difficult place, that's when I seek him more in his word. That's when I come together. That's when I get back to A and I say, is my attitude ready to hear from God? <laughs> the most important thing about the conversation that we've been having is that it is a practice. It is developing new habits in the rhythms of our daily lives. That means that if we haven't been coming together as a couple and strengthening our marriage through the power of seeking God together, then we will need to choose, are we going to carve out time to do that? And if we carve out time to do that, 
Are we going to give something else up? Something's got to move, whether that means you're going to get up 15 minutes earlier, whether that means that you're going to stop going out for breakfast and instead you're going to stay in and study together. You know what your day-to-day looks like. Modeling coming together as a couple is one of these powerful legacy building moments that you can model for your children because you want to teach them to seek the Lord. You want to demonstrate to them that despite the difficulties going on, there's nothing more important than taking time out for God each day. And that also teaches them that it is not the destination, it's the journey. It is the journey. We're in this journey together. There's an old line, no lie, I should say, that God will never give you more than you can handle. We've all heard it. Mm-hmm. It's a lie. Of course, God will give you more than you can handle. Sometimes the only way he can get your attention is to give you more than you can handle so that you turn to him. Because that's the ultimate goal of God in our lives is to teach us more about him and to make us more dependent on him by the power of his Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. That is our mission for you this week is to take that 15 minutes and see what happens. Come together, eliminate all of the distractions and just sit together as a couple and ask God to bless that time that you're sitting together. That's it. Simple little thing. 15 minutes. I'm confident that when you choose, you can find 15 minutes within the next seven days from whenever you're listening to this, that you can spend that time together with your spouse. Now, I'm thinking of some situations that may come up that people might say, we can't do that. One of those might be that you and your spouse are in different locations. For example, if you're married to a military spouse and they're stationed somewhere and not in the home, you can still come together over Zoom for 15 minutes no distractions, and determine that if that is the method that you need to use right now, then that's the method that you need to use. Yeah, how are we going to draw closer to God together? Let's make this about him. I think ultimately that's what Jesus meant. He said, I am the bread of life. Yeah. I'll turn it to him. So good. So good. Okay, so one more time, A, B, C, D, E. You want to list them off? Yeah. A, we want to have the right attitude. Our attitude needs to be ready to hear from God. B, Bible study. Search for what we're looking for in the Word of God. C, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. What is God leading me to? What is God leading us to? D, determine if we have peace. Let peace always be your referee and make sure you agree that you both have peace. And E, expect opposition and difficulties. Okay. All right. We don't even have to go all the way to Z to improve our relationship with one another as a couple. And of course, improve our relationship with knowing who our creator of the universe is, our heavenly father, who can't wait for us to come and spend time with him. Let that be your foundation. Let that be the easy method, A, B, C, D, E, of seeking God's will for you individually, for you as a couple, and for you as a family as you build your legacy moment by moment. You know when somebody says something much, much better than you can say it? (laughs) This is the reason why you should join the Facebook group. I'm so excited. I love, I love, 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 love this group. And I love this podcast and I love everything that it's about. So I'm just ready to be open and vulnerable and honest and get some good feedback. And I'm ready for it. You know, Lexi's right. 
it is happening inside the Facebook group. Look, being a stepmama, it's not for the faint of heart. If you are listening, you already know that this is some tough stuff. Inside the Facebook group, there's workshop opportunities, laser coaching, and prayer. It's a place where we know that we have a responsibility to work through the things that challenge us. And we know that we can do that because God's word tells us to be bold and courageous. All right, stepmama, you are indeed a bold and blended stepmom. Get inside that Facebook group and I'll catch you next time.